Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. We're going to chat some mixed martial arts here for the next hour or so. All the latest news, there's some good stuff out there. We'll go with the Saturday's results. The UFC was back on ESPN, prelims, and main card. So nice audience for those cats. They're back on, uh, they're back in London this weekend. And then we have a pay-per-view in a few weekends uh, as well. So July has been pretty much a big month for the UFC. I mean, two pay-per-views, and uh, we're going to go over all that stuff. We got two interviews as well. Still some spillover from the um, UFC Fight Expo from a few weekends ago. Joanna Jacek will join us, former UFC strawweight champ. Giga Chikatsi, current UFC featherweight. He'll be our second guest. And, uh, yeah, all our friendly reminders of everything we got going on, including a special uh, spinning back click tomorrow. So I'm hoping that we can turn this around quickly, get it in the hands of some of you all in time for you to catch it. I won't feel bad, though, because we've been telling you over and over, live every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, you got to check spinning back click. And, ne- and tomorrow we're going to have Eric Nixie join us join us as one of the panelists let us reset and we'll be back to start the show can i share something personal goes before we get going yeah my mouth feels heavy like my the muscles around my under my lips and above my lips feel heavy. I feel like um, there's some waking up, there's some activity, but geez, like I feel like mumbles McGee over here. So, really, um, I actually thought you sounded the best I've heard you in a while. The only right time now? you ever really hear it is like a B or a P or something, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's what I was thinking when you were doing the intro. Oh, well, thank you. And so after the show, I'm going to do some of those exercises that you'll catch me doing in front of the mirror and just kind of keep building on that. I think I really have those, uh, the dry needles to think for a lot of my recent, um, recovery, I guess we'll call it. Uh, so I think either that, or maybe I'm just hitting a point where, okay, the body's reacting, you know, to everything I've given it. And, you know, I always like to just kind of look, well, what just recently happened? You know, if I wake up and my foot hurts, what was I doing yesterday? Oh, that's right. I I was outside doing this, you know, and anyway. All right. Enough about me. Tell you what. So that maybe that's a perfect lead in right here to just what was one of the big stories from this past weekend. So Jamal Hill, the UFC light heavyweight champion, he uh, basically relinquished his UFC light heavyweight title it's now vacant and it's up for grabs the latest we've heard is that alex Fajeda and jan vlahovic will not be fighting for the vacant title 
Although the UFC does have some promotion out there that led one to believe that could be it. But our team followed up with the UFC and they denied it. Of course, in the past, this has happened before and the UFC then comes and changes their mind and does do that. So I think it's 50-50 like it could be for the vacant world title. But back to Jamal Hill. When I started the show, I mentioned how back to the UFC Fan Expo, we still have some interviews that we did that we've kind of been holding on to. Well, one of them was Jamal Hill. He came in on Saturday. The game that he played, the basketball game that he played, where allegedly he may have first hurt his heel, was Friday night. Goes and I did Radio Row Friday, and we did it Saturday. Jamal Hill clearly was on our Saturday schedule. He walked up. He did not walk up like someone who had torn his Achilles tendon. He walked up like someone who was maybe sore, just woke up, whatever. But definitely not. It was that. 9 a.m., right? It was early. It was 9 a.m., but whether it was 9 a.m. or 1, you're in a boot by the, at that point. Boot and crutches. Um, the only one I've ever seen do anything remotely close was Kobe Bryant, who got fouled in a game when he tore his Achilles tendon. And when he got up, he got up from wherever he was on the court, walked, shot his two free throws, and then walked off. And that was it. And then after that, you, there ain't no chance you're walking or, or nothing like that, especially once all the adrenaline comes off, if it's a full tear like that. And so, you know, this guy didn't parachute in. I mean, it's kind of a far walk to get to where we're at. I just don't see him going through all that. Now, I, I verified it with a source. And there he was hurt. There's some truth to him getting hurt at the basketball game, but it was subsequent training where he hurt it and I guess ruptured it. Hmm. Well, I mean, when he showed up, he was walking somewhat gingerly, but not where you would say, I think he's hurt. You would just think, um, uh, He's a little sore or tired or it's early in the morning. Right. But yeah, but I don't think uh, a terror would have had him in a completely. For one, he would have been freaking out, right? Like he would have wanted to go to the hospital, all that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, exactly. You're not trying to do there. media row at that point. He must have partially torn it then or hurt it then. And then it ruptured in any subsequent training that he's had. Now, remember, in the interview with us, he told us something's cooking. And he thinks he'll be fighting by the end of the year. Um, he could have very easily just said, well, I'm not sure what's going to happen. But he kind of was giving us the inkling that, A, news was coming, and, B, he'd be good enough to fight by the end of the year. Like, um, And, you know, certainly the way he was walking around didn't tip us off to anything like that may not happen. I remember walking up to him. We took a picture. He kind of turned around. I saw him kind of turn around to the next people, and I just didn't see someone that had just ruptured their Achilles. The reason I'm making this, I guess, maybe I'm going a little overboard with this, I would just hate for an athlete to get tagged with that whole it happened at a basketball game. You know, People are going to be relentless with it. And sure, we can debate whether he should do that or not. You know, uh, I remember Frank Mir lost his title because he rode a motorcycle and had a horrible accident and whatever. And people said he shouldn't be riding a motorcycle. And guess what? In a lot of sports, in a lot of other sports, you're not allowed to do some of those things uh, in other sports. It's actually in your contract. 
Hernando Tatis from the San Diego Padres, he hurt himself on a motorcycle. He hurt his wrist, and initially, I believe he lied about it. Then they mm-hmm. found out what the truth was. And, of course, what are they going to do? At that point, he was hurt anyway. They probably weren't happy that he lied. And then, on top of that, he had the whole 80-game suspension because of some um, PEDs. So he's really had the last two years have been horrific for him. But anyway, um, they it's pretty strict in their contracts when they can and cannot get paid. And I could see a team maybe not wanting to withhold some of your salary if you're out there doing something you've agreed not to do. Yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, I think if you're paying that much money, then I think you do have some rights in regards to what what a player can and can't do. Um, but in this particular case, I don't know. I really don't. I mean, like, uh, he could have very easily done that in his own training, right? I mean, there's intensity to that, even playing with a kid or something. Yeah. But at the same time, you've seen so many people in basketball primarily get this type of in- injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put it to you this way. If I were him, I probably wouldn't have played. The only thing I can think of is, if you've noticed, he's kind of been sitting around like bored, like what's next for me? You know, he's out at the expo doing his duties in terms of, you know, representing the company, seeing fans. They got this crazy idea and a bunch of other fighters went out there and did it. I think they did something like this last year as well. So they all probably thought, oh, that sounds like fun. And we know I've seen Jamal in pictures of him being a football player, basketball. Oh, no, I'm not sure if I've seen him as a basketball player. I don't know if you have or haven't, but for sure I've seen him in football gear. It's the only thing I can be thinking of is same as us. When we did flag football against Extreme Couture, none of us were thinking that, you know, sure, anything can happen, but maybe not like that. In fact, I think there's a couple fighters that had fights coming up that maybe shouldn't have been out there, and they were. Um, a few years ago, we all played basketball as Junkie Nation. Everybody was healthy. We were just tired as, as fuck, but we all survived. But there was an MMA media game where on the first layup, Mike Chiapetta, formerly of MMA fighting, he tore his Achilles tendon. So mm-hmm. it kind of it made me think back to that. You know, if you're just a, a Joe Schmo and you're not stretching, which I'm not saying he is, he's just not a professional basketball player. And if you're not stretching and using certain muscles, you know, I don't know if somebody told him, bro, can you dunk? Can you do this? You know what I mean? I wasn't there. But um, it's unfortunate. What I don't understand goes is why does he have to relinquish? The whole point of the interim is is the champ gets hurt. Now, maybe the company's saying, hey, this is a long one, nine months to a year, and he didn't get hurt in training or in a fight. He got training here over here, although, like I said, that was a strain and the injury happened in subsequent, you know, other training. But even going back to Yuri Prashaska, like – like, I thought the whole point of the interim was the champ can't go. Like, he's injured for a longer period of time, so we do this interim. But why we, Why would we have these guys relinquishing? What's the point of it? You know, I had to sit down and think about this because this is one of our topics on tomorrow's show on the spinning back click. And the only thing I can think of is any type of recovery that you're in, whether it's 
you know, sports related, like a physical injury or even like any type of rehab for drugs or alcohol, one of the biggest deterrents you could possibly have to getting better is just distractions. And maybe Jamal being a guy that uh, the UFC seems to like, the fans like him, everybody likes to see him fight. Maybe he just realizes like when I'm healthy, I'm, I'm going to be that guy. They're going to give me that shot. I don't think he just tumbles down the ladder. I think everybody really likes him. And he kind of did the UFC a favor too, right? So he's got that in his back pocket. I think he just said, you know what? I don't want to deal with all this shit. Like, let the belt go, and I'll just I'll see you soon. It's the only thing I can think of. I know the UFC loves featuring title fights in their pay-per-views. So oftentimes they'll do stuff like VMF or an interim. And... Okay, I've accepted that. Well, what I still can't figure out is in this situation, why do they make the guys relinquish or why do they strip them? Now, this is one thing that I do know, and I believe I'll have to follow up on Yuri Prochaska, but I believe when he comes back, he'll get his, he'll get his a shot whenever he's ready, and he'll be one of the two participants. That's why Blahovich versus Fajeda isn't a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. Could be that Yuri Prochaska's maybe close to being ready. Um, that's one. Two, I do know that in Hill's case, he will get pay-per-view points when he comes back. Now, that's one thing I always like is that when a fighter reaches that point and they get a chance to cash those big checks, that it's always available to him. So in that regard, he may not be champ, but he'll get pay-per-view points when he comes back. So that's pretty cool. That's kind of a relief probably to the fighter themselves his family his or her family um and their fans who always you know ride and die with these people but i i'm i don't know i guess achilles rupture torn labrums and acls i see as nine month to one year injuries and i think if it was something over a month over a year like what happened to me or what happened to Sean Strickland, we had um, torn patellar tendons. That's a way longer recovery than or a two-year suspension by USADA. Obviously, I think they'd strip you at that point. But um, I don't know. I, I guess I was, you know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not upset about it, but I just had wondered why that was the case because that I always thought that the interim guy could kind of do that while you were gone and, and when you're ready to come back, cool. Now, the only thing I can think of is maybe there's a statistic out there that for every one of these labrums, ACLs, and Achilles, there just seems to be these setbacks. You know how sometimes you hear they'll use a ligament from another part of your body for your ACL because it's not taking Cadaver. the reconstruction the way it's supposed to work or whatever. I've heard that before. I think that's what happened to Dominic Cruz. And so that extended to like three years one time. Um, then I could see, then I could see it like, Hey bro, we need to move on, you know? But in this case, who knows? Like Tony Ferguson goes, he came back in five months from an ACL. Jerry Rice, he came back in five months from an ACL. Now those guys are pretty special in that they're just savages and they're hard workers and they probably went above and beyond. Right. But who knows, man? Um, that's what happened. It was sad to hear though. It seems like it came from him though. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it came from the UFC or anything like that. Maybe 
Maybe he just didn't want to deal with the pressure of, hey, you got to be back by this certain time. Maybe he just wanted to take his time and make sure he did everything right and not have to worry about anything. Yeah, that could be it. Um, All right. So this past weekend, we had a UFC fight card, right? It was back on ESPN. It was called UFC on ESPN 49. Myra Bueno Silva defeated Holly Holm. Choked her out. Round two. Big win from Myra Bueno Silva, who now says, hey, what about me in that vacant title position as a challenger? Of course, we know Juliana Pena feels like it should have been her because it should have been her versus Amanda Nunes, only she got hurt, and that shot went to Irene Aldana. We know Raquel Pennington feels like she should be in there because, honestly, I think she should have been in there instead of Aldana. She had a better record in her last five fights and beat Aldana. Why it wasn't her, I don't know. Maybe because she had already lost to Nunez, whereas Aldana had never fought Nunez. And maybe that's why Nunez, sorry, uh, Aldana got the shot. Now, either way, Pennington went as the backup, weighed in, and fulfilled her duties. And she just re- recently became a parent to a newborn. So we know what happened in Kobe, with Kobe Covington in London. He locked it up. The minute he stepped on that scale as a backup, it was a lock. So I would think Pennington's one of the two. Pena, having been the original Nunez opponent and a former champ, you would think she'd carry some clout. But what do you think, goes? Did Myra Bueno Silva somehow wiggle her way in? She just beat a former champion, and she's kind of been on a nice roll herself. I, To me, in my eyes, Juliana Pena is the lock. I think the UFC really likes her. I think Dana White likes her. Um I think rightfully so. I think she does deserve to be that that person in that spot. So to me, it comes down to the other two. And if you look at statistics, you look at what they've done, Pennington seems to have the edge on her. However, it's not by much. I think it's only one more win than the other girl has and Buena Silva has. But Buena Silva, you could argue, is probably the funner fighter just to watch. I think she has more finishes. And she got a good win against Holly Holm and a finish. And it just happened in front of our eyes, right? Mm-hmm. So I think maybe you could pass up Raquel Pennington. But here's what Raquel Pennington needs to do. You, you got to open your mouth. You, you got to get out there, do interviews, say things, talk about it, make it, make people know that this is something you want. Because she's just kind of quiet. And you're right. The last fight could have actually been hers. She should have made us think about not getting that one. And then maybe this would seem like way out of line, right? Her not getting the getting it this time. But she's just kind of quiet. And uh, I don't know if that's going to help her out in this case. Because even though Bueno Silva's uh, streak is one, one fight less, she's what's on our mind right now. She's what we just saw. And she's asking for it. Juliana mm-hmm. Pena is asking for it, right? I, so I... I think on paper it should be Raquel Pennington's shot, but I think what's going to end up happening is I do think it might be Buena Silva's shot against From Juliana Pennington. Pennington is a favorite of Dana White, not the favorite out of all his athletes, but just one of his uh, favorites. In fact, he recently went to dinner with her and Tisha Torres and the newborn baby. Um, so I would think she might have a good shot at squeezing in there. But you're right, Pennington, oh, sorry, Pena is polarizing. She opens her mouth and she can flap her gums. And 
I could see her being someone that eventually could get to the point of being a good pay-per-view seller if she can back it up with her fists. Um, Bueno Silva actually hurt Holly Holm with her fists before she actually got that submission. So you're right. She's got she's a finisher. I think three of those four fights were, were when she returned to Bantamweight, went four and zero on this run she's on, have been finishes. So she has a case. They all have a case. It'll be interesting to see who steps up. And you're right, goes. It wouldn't hurt any of them to call their managers and say, "Give me on a bunch of shows. Let me create a buzz, and let's see if something, you know, something can be created here." Because the UFC's got. Let's see. They got July with the BMF. They got August with Aljamain Sterling. September. It's not a pay per view, but they got that September 16th card with Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko. Then we get into October, where you would think Makashev's going to defend. I think Leon Edwards wanted to fight over there as well. So, you know, they, they seem to spoil Abu Dhabi. I could see Abu Dhabi getting two title shots. I don't see the need for November to get another title shot because they already got Jones and Miocic. Maybe they want to slip in another one. Okay, cool. If not, December. So, Possibly. and I forgot to even mention September. We know that's Adesanya versus Drinkless Duplessis. Mm-hmm. Right, then early. I would think Pena would be ready to go because it didn't sound like Pena had a serious injury. No, but, not at all. Yeah. yeah, but we'll have to see. But she, she needs to be vocal because otherwise I think uh, – Buena Silva might pass her up. Should Holly Holm retire in your eyes? Yes and no. I think if I were her, uh, if I were her manager, I'd tell her we can keep doing this. You know, you're gonna you're gonna make big paychecks. Um, UFC seems to like her, and she's a name. She could probably keep doing this for a little bit. But when you think about combat sports in general like uh, overall with what she's done in boxing what she's done in mixed martial arts i don't know if you want to damage that you know like you can't take too many losses either so i i would say uh if she were my little sister i'd say hey sis i think it might be done to call this a, a career if i were her manager i think i might say look financially i think we could still get a few more paydays out of this and then uh, right off into the sunset, but maybe anything related to a title might be out the window. Well, she's a former champ. Very marketable. Let's see here in her last, I'm going to have to go three and a half years of fighting. She's three and two. So I included the Raquel Pennington win, the Irene Aldana win, and the Yana Santos win. All respectable wins. She did lose to Kellen Vieira. I actually was there that day. And it was close. It was a split decision. Vieira won. And now she just got finished by Myra Bueno Silva. So she hasn't been on a horrific run. She just didn't look that great. I, well, you know, you could argue she won round one, to tell you the truth. But it, it's, you know, with Holly Holm, if you go back and look at her last five wins, they're all either 15 minutes or 25 minutes of torture in the sense that she just kind of kickboxes. She rarely gets hit. She hits enough to win rounds and boom, call it a day decision. So you're not ever like feeling like, oh my God, wow. You know, like the violence was in effect, baby. It's not that. 
you see her kind of just tactically play chess, win fights, get mm -hmm. out of there with all her marvels. And from that end, you got to say, okay, you're doing it the right way in terms of like, you know, winning rounds and, and, and looking out, looking out for yourself. But in terms of like, you know, is she exciting? I, I wouldn't say she's that exciting. The Rousey win is just something that'll carry her forever. Yeah. And scooping up some of these small pots, like in poker, you know, winning these fights that are key fights. I, I you know, those names are no joke, man. Pennington, Aldana, Santos, she beat them all. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 she didn't lay down the gloves, but a lot of people have been talking about it all weekend. Yeah, I think she's still, uh, she could still get a couple more and make, make a couple more paydays. But yeah, belts are definitely out of the question. Um, you know, I actually did think she won round one. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought it was really, really close. But I, I know like about two minutes into the fight, I was thinking it, it might be her night. You know, and then Buena Silva little by little was starting to find the distance and figure things out a little bit. But she that that's the thing is she never looks terrible in a fight. Yeah. Speaking of somebody who retired, or we know Holm didn't retire. I'm not saying that, but a female fighter who did retire, who sometimes we think may not have retired, Joanna Yenjacek. We're going to do a play an interview from a few weeks ago, maybe about 10 days ago to be more accurate. We caught up with her at the UFC Fan Expo. She was very popular. She worked the crowd great. Um, future Hall of Famer, I can give her all that. That's for sure. I think goes personally, she's not retired, and here's why. She's still in the USADA pool. So you can just tell. Look, 35 isn't that old. I mean, we just mm -hmm. talked about home, and she's 41. Something tells me, goes, that she could still do it. But, hey, let's catch up with Yolanda and Jacek here with this interview that we did at the UFC Fan Expo. We'll be right back. Going on, Junkie Nation, gorgeous George and Goes are back reunited with an old friend of ours, Joanna Yanjacek, former UFC Strawweight champion, uh, one day soon to be UFC Hall of Famer, an amazing person. How are you, Joanna? Yeah, I'm so good, so happy to be here. A uh, little bit tired, but I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. What's There's your no sport without fans, so I'm happy to be here and share my time with UFC fans from all over the world. Guys, you are amazing. Thank you so much for this. Joanna, give me a good story of you meeting a fan. Is there something that stands out that's unique? Dick pics? Oh, no. <laughs> no, there is a bunch of them every day, but no, 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 no. I don't know. I don't remember now, man. Probably a bunch of great stories, but uh, when you can help. Oh, yeah, I know one. Yeah, let's hear it. I was in London in July. When when no when they had a show in March, maybe it was March. Last March, yeah. And I was at the VIP lunch before the event and I saw some guy holding a camera and I love photography and I was like, Hey, what's up? Nice camera and he was like started talking to me and I was like, Uh what what you what you doing? What are you doing in life? And he's like, Nothing. I do not work. I'm like, Okay, lucky you, you know, but he was like, No, uh uh, it's my last 12 months of 
being on this planet, living on this planet. So he stopped working because he got very, very, very sick. And you know what was? It was very inspi inspirational. How is it? Inspi inspirational. Inspirational. And I asked him what's on his bucket list. And he told me that seeing you, meeting you, you and another UFC athlete said, somehow it broke my heart, but he gave me lots of strength and power. So Steve, I hope you're good. You're still fighting, man, because we love you so much and I'm looking forward to see you again. So thank you for showing me that no matter what, we still have fighters and we can, we, somehow we can change uh, our patch, you know, sometimes we don't have this power, but we should be thankful and grateful for every single day of our lives. That's the thing. That's an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, one more question for me. Um, okay, so Forrest Griffin introduced the Nogueras yesterday at the Hall of Fame. And he said, this is the first time I get to meet Rodrigo Nogueira. He's like a hero of mine. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be a fanboy, he said. How about you, Joanna? Is there anyone that you've yet to meet that you can't wait to meet where you might be a fan girl or just a fan? Mm, Denzel Washington, definitely. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and Canelo. You never uh, met him? Eh? You never met him? So, no, you, no, you no. You never met him? Okay. No, no, no. They're, I was super close because the, they wanted me, I think it was Sony Entertainment, uh, they wanted me to promote Equalizer 2 movie, but I was right before fight in Calgary with Tisha Torres in 2019 uh, yeah 2019 i think so they wanted me to go actually to fly to la for the for the day for the premiere day you say yeah, the premiere, so yeah. and uh, yeah i was about to meet my 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 crush denzel washington but i couldn't go but uh, yeah it's just a matter of time you know <laughs> i tell you something you shouldn't be premiering equalizer you should be in equalizer i love this movie you would be oh, yeah. great in a movie i would like love that. to i would love to I would love to definitely. Joanna, so throughout the years, many fighters have come through our studio, but there are a few when, when, when you guys walk through the door that George and I go, wow, that person's really going to make a mark on our sport. We feel like you're one of them. And we felt that from day one. Um, can I ask you, like, what do you feel like your mark on the sport has been? What did you leave on the sport? Uh, thank you so much. Good to hear. Uh, first thing maybe I want to say to my colleagues, and the future fighters or athletes in general. If you're getting into the UFC, people know that you are a very good athlete, you are a very good fighter. When you're becoming the champion, you know they know you're the god, you're the best. But people, people who are watching UFC, they know you are a good athlete because you are in the best, uh, in simply the best MMA league in the world. But people want to see themselves in you. They want to see your failures, you say. This is how we say they want to see part of uh, their lives in your life and uh, that's the thing but we should tell them story about us okay keep it private but we should let people know who we are outside the 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 the, the mat the training the gym the octagon but i feel like i show that no matter who you are where you're from what's your uh, skin color what's your orientation, gender, uh, religion, uh, you can live your American dream and you can make it. And uh, that you can't give up. You can, you can, you can slow down 
slow down, but you can't stop. And I think it was my life, it was my career, you know, that when they kicked me out of the door, I was back by the window, you say, how you say this in English, you know what I mean? Say it one more time. When they kick you, kick you out the of the door, you, you back by the window, how you say this? Oh, you know uh, what I mean? I know the saying, it's uh, every door that closes, another one opens. Yes, right, or that's a thing, something like this. <laughs> so I want to ask you another question about uh, technique. Okay, when it comes to mixed martial arts, your technique is top-notch. It always has been. Uh, I know the door is closed maybe on mixed martial arts, but one thing I've always thought you'd be great at is just a boxing match. I feel like you're, you have that type I would of love technique. To. Would, you, would you ever entertain something I would like love that? to, and I was like, I was, uh, I did like two or three camps with national boxing team uh, back in the day, and actually there was a small chance that I could, uh, if I won the competition, I could qualify for one of the Olympics, but it wasn't this close, but I knew that I could possibly do that, you know, but I, I chose MMA and it worked out, it worked out good. Really good, yeah. Oh. But I, 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 I love boxing, I love boxing, you know. One last question, this is in tribute to your friend Steve. Joanna, how about you, what's on, can, tell us one thing that's on your bucket list. On my bucket list? Mm, I think I reached that, because lately I've been meeting some famous people, like, for example, in Poland, because uh, when I walk into the room full of famous people, I'm the person who doesn't look for the attention, you know. But meeting these people lately, they were like, we don't know each other or we just met. And they were like, we heard you're a good human, you know. And it was on my bucket list to be a good human first. You know, there is a time you can be the champion, you can be, I don't know, the director, CEO. But on daily basics, we are just humans. All We all are humans. So it was on my bucket list. But on my bucket list is to, I don't know. Maybe you go to Machu Picchu, oh, no, see Machu awesome. Picchu. That's easy. You know? Our mom's from Peru, so we've been to Machu yeah, Picchu. That's beautiful. It's on my, it's really on my bucket list. It. But, you know, I follow my dreams and I make it happen, you know. And guys, remember, you have to work so hard to uh, to make your dreams alive. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I do it, you know, because I have this power. I know this already, so I follow my dreams and work really, really hard. It's always great to catch up with you. Thank you for the time. Yeah, I can't wait for your Hall of Fame in Denver one day. Why she didn't seem too upset at the dick pics. She almost <laughs> was laughing it off like she enjoys them. That was funny. You know, she... Um, okay, look, one thing you have to... Because when we brought up boxing to her, her eyes kind of lit up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I do feel like those competitive juices are still there. But you also have to remember she had a life before mixed martial arts. And that's and she had quite a few fights. That's a lot of wear and tear on her body. I think really what it comes down to in her eyes is if I can't be champ, like, why am I here? You know, she seems like that type of competitor. I wouldn't be shocked if she said one more. But at the same time, I I would understand if she stayed away. Yeah, I could see her doing I could see her doing bare knuckle, succeeding at bare knuckle and being a big star in bare knuckle. Um. You know, there's no wrestling and jujitsu and the wear and tear, you know, from the preparation for an MMA fight. You don't have that for bare knuckle. What you do have, though, is a lot of scar tissue, a lot of cuts. Um, But 
like I say, Joanna loves to throw hands. She loves Muay Thai. You get caught in Muay Thai. I'd love to see her maybe make a run at that. Boxing, I'm not so sure how smooth she would be at that. I mean, I suppose wear knuckles pretty much very similar to it. Um, but I just loved her jab. I remember she had a really, really nice jab. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd see her kind of like in boxing, maybe get lost in the shuffle. But in bare knuckle, I think she can become a star. I just remember when she fought Zhang Weili and her head, you know, she had the hematoma on her head. Just how kind of like embarrassed she was at all that. I, I don't know if she wants those types of things to happen to her later. Because bare knuckle, man, very few people walk in and out of that without some kind of scar to remember. Definitely. She hasn't fought in over two years. Wait a minute. She fought. She fought John Wei Lee, uh, June of 2022. How long has it been since she fought? Do you have it in front of you? It's it only been a like year. It, a, it doesn't feel like it. It's been that long. It's only been a year since she fought. Okay. I don't know why she, I thought she was on two years. So it's only been a year since she fought and laid down the gloves when she lost to Zhang Wei Li. I could still see her coming back, but she retired. But like I say, she's not out of the the uh, the uh, Usado pool. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see what winds up happening. Um, she definitely looks happy. She worked the crowd really well. We wish her the best in that regard. Um, look, what what would hold her back is Rose and Zhang Wei Li holding the belt, and both of them do hold the belt right now. So. Yeah. She's got two losses to both of them. I don't know that the UFC is in a hurry to shove her in there against either one of those two. The good thing is Rose moved up. She's no longer champ. Jean Wiley's got an opponent. It's Amanda Lemos. You never know. Let's maybe wait that out and see what happens. And then we'll see if Joanna uh, Injector comes back. Now, that said, goes Jean Wiley, she, to me, man, just doesn't seem like she fights very often herself. Um, she had, let me see, one fight in 2020, two in 2021, one in 20. No, she's had two in 2022. I guess she hasn't fought this year, though. She fought Carlos Suarez late last year. She hasn't fought this year. She doesn't have anything on the books, right? Jean Wei Li? Uh, not that I know of. Oh, Amanda Limos. Yeah, that's oh, on yeah, the books. Limos. It's, it's the same night as um, Aljo. Sorry. Okay. She, she's not going to lose anytime soon, though, man. That's the thing. It's like, I, I still feel like she's getting better. She's a specimen. I've seen her in person, and she's a specimen. In fact, the other day, I saw Panda in person. I don't know if you noticed when she was walking around. Mm-hmm. Yan you know how they all the fighters would kind of come out at the same time, but did you happen to notice her floating around? Yeah. I looked at her, and I was like, you're 115? Holy cow. You. She looks like she's on Team Bobsled or something. Like She's very athletic looking, man. She looks like she could be a problem. Mm-hmm. All right, so we still have Giga Chikansi coming up with Alice Joanna and Jacek. And again, she's still in the Usada pool. So I think we'll see her again. I just don't know what it'll be in, but maybe it'll be in uh, MMA. Maybe it'll be in something like Bare Knuckle. She definitely should get inducted soon. But the UFC, I don't know. Sometimes they wait a long time, like Anderson Silva. And sometimes they induct you right away. They announced Jose Aldo would be in late last year, and he fought like August of last year. So they didn't well, even remember. Him. It's not very consistent with those guys. 
Her fight could go in too, though. That's the thing. Against Zhang Wei Li? Yeah, I think that can go in to the Hall of Fame. I think so too. Poor thing, though. I don't think. I don't think. I don't know. Do you want? I guess when you're in the Hall of Fame, you're in the Hall of Fame. But do you want to be in the Hall of Fame for that? Not really. Not being on that side. Yeah, exactly. Being the loser of a great fight. Yeah. Especially because you'll have to see those those highlights with her and the hematoma. And, mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that can't be too pleasing for the ladies. Um, all right. So here's the results of the rest of the card. I already gave you the the main card with uh, Myra Bueno Silva defeated Holly Holm. The co-main event had Jack Della Madalena defeating Basile Hafez. Great fight, by the way. Hafez yeah. stepping in on late notice. He really took it to Jack Madeline, uh, Della Madalena. In fact, some even thought he won the fight. We'll, we'll go back to that real fast. Let me give these main card results, and then we'll go back. Francisco Prado from Argentina. 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 Defeated Otman Azatar via TKO punches. A lot of people felt that perhaps they could have let it go on a little bit longer. Azatar... Looked like he was still there, and I've seen fights go longer, so that's all I'll say on that. I don't want to dwell too much on it. I think he had a, a case. That said, Prado was putting it on him. Prado, by the way, is only like 20 years old or something like that, but that dude's a stud. Park Jun Yong defeated Albert Dureyev. That was fun. Uh, he submitted him, so nice win for the Iron Turtle and great post-fight dance. Um. Norma Dumont defeated Chelsea Chandler. These ladies had beef at the weigh-ins. They're kind of getting each other's faces, and they had to be separated. And it was a pretty good fight, but Chandler could not stop Dumont's takedowns and her top game. When she would get up, she actually has some really nice hands, Chandler does. Heavy hands. I can't wait to see her work on that takedown defense. Key fights on her feet. I think maybe she could be a problem for somebody. However... You remember, this fight took place in the featherweight division, which, in my opinion, is going to go away soon. I don't know if these ladies will have the option of fight at 135 or how this is going to work out. Maybe they're just fulfilling contracts. Dumont says she's ready to step in and fight for the vacant title, and she definitely has a case because she's been doing pretty good. And now with Amanda Nunes being gone, she definitely would be one of the two I would choose to fight for the vacant featherweight title. She's 10-2 and overall, riding, excuse me, a three-fight win streak. Um, go ahead. I was going to say that girl is getting lit up, man, on that uh, the run that she did, you know, into the post. Have you seen oh, the, yeah, video, dude. the videos that have come out? Oh, my God. Like, I don't did you know see the one Danny Segura posted uh, <laughs> where it became that one video game? Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog. Holy cow. I don't know how people do that so quickly, but, yeah, that was... Uh, that was an odd moment for sure, and uh, it was a decent fight, but uh, that's something that uh, you just don't see very often in the UFC. What are some runaways that you can think of? Daniel Cormier couldn't control himself. He kept laughing and laughing. The <laughs> other guys were pointing out. The other guys were laughing, too. Darn. I was laughing, too, but the other guys were pointing out, hey, she did what she had to do to get out of that pickle she was in, clear her head, and that fight that happened in the first round, she made it all the way to 15 minutes to a decision. Well, still got, I, still lost, but she did what she had to do. But what were your thoughts? 
I don't have a problem with her running, and I get what she was trying to do. It's just the the part that was confusing was she ran into the post. Mm. You know what I mean? That to me uh, was a little strange. I I see fighters do that a lot, kind of not necessarily. She was almost in a full on sprint, but yeah, you know, get out of damage, turn around and face your opponent. It makes sense to me. Um, I remember Caleb Starnes. Remember with uh, Nate Quarry? Nate Quarry kind of did that a little bit. Yeah, he ran a lot. There's a couple, but you know, if that's if that's your only way to reset, I don't have a problem with it. To me, I just thought it was odd that like, how big do you think this octagon is? You know, she was kind of running her ass off for a while. I mean, eventually, you're gonna hit something, right? You don't have that much real estate, right? <clears throat> yeah, she's getting lit up on uh, social media. It definitely was all over the place. Where um, do you rank uh, Iron Turtle Dance? Joe from Odessa was telling me it's the best dance he ever saw. I told him I'll always side with Ben Rothwell. I think his was better when he beat Alistair Overeem. Mm -hmm. I I loved Anderson Silva's when he beat Chris Levin. And another one that was good, and I think it happened against Cormier with Steven Miocic, kind of did that little Irish dance. Um, Well, Valentina's got a good one, too. Oh, yeah, Valentina's probably the purest cleanest dance for sure now hers i think come once the fight's been announced and it's been her name's been announced then she does it right i think she's even done the post-fight interview then she does it yeah yeah whereas these fighters are kind of like reacting at that moment and they're awkward dancers so i think the more awkward the better and i think that's why rothwell's is so funny because he probably could never even duplicate it anderson Silva was pretty slick that guy always had moves (laughs) it's just that you know, it was his first fight in the UFC, so you know he 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 delivered the beautiful KO, and then he did the nice dance. Has Ben ever told you the background of that dance? It's I a, think it's so. I feel like record. I forgot though. Remind me, dude. Can I, you tell us? I can't because it's an off off the record thing. I'm oh, sure he'll okay. tell you again, or I can tell you off the air. But uh, yeah, I don't think we're ever gonna see it again. Oh really? Yeah. It did have the feeling of. I just don't think I could do it. He'd have to work at it. But let's continue on here with Nazim Zadikov defeated Terrence McKinney. Submission, really nice. He trapped one of his arms. It was easy for him to submit the rear naked choke. And goes, remember I told Terrence McKinney, hey, man, social media, you got to learn how to navigate this. Stop focusing on the haters. Sure enough, I was looking at what he said post-fight. Hey, guys, Sorry. It was you know my arm got trapped. I was doing well, and sure enough, man, they it, it, he's like honey, and the fly the the bees just come after him, and he falls for it every time. He's sitting there responding mostly to the trolls, mostly to the people that just were handing it to him. And I'm thinking, bro, like there was so many people there saying like, hey, you were doing well until you got caught. Re- re- reply to them. Stop replying to the haters and to the trolls. You you can't handle it. Him and a few fighters just can't handle it. They 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 just need to go in another route. If they can handle it, it's no big deal. But they just can't handle it. I see how upset they always get. It's always like they're consumed by it. Mm -hmm. Spence grabs too. I think he was talking about that. He was, and guess what? He kind of had a case. I mean, there was a lot of them. Yeah, he did. There was a lot of them. We we need to figure out what's a warning, what's a stern warning. Or what are the rules being read off to you in, in the in the meeting, you know, fighter meeting beforehand? 
I feel like that's a version of a warning in a way. Like you, you've been no, you've been told. Why do you need to be reminded in the middle of a fight, especially if it's, you know, key situation, a, a takedown or something like that? But mm -hmm. I'll never. That's just one of those things where I don't think you'll ever get the perfect call because it's humans. You know, you don't know what roughing the passer is and, you know, um, a, a call or a block or a grade one personal foul in the NBA. You just don't know, man. Soccer, it's too hard, too hard to really figure it all out. Sports is messed up in that regard. Um, what did you think of Jack Della Madalina against Basile? Hafez. I, I thought Jack I maybe I need to go back and watch it again, but I thought he lost. You know, I thought uh and but it was one of those losses where I think he put himself in a lot of bad spots. You know, he I think he was uh lucky to get the decision, but he's got a lot of things to work on despite getting a win. I thought he just gave up a lot of stuff for free. That Basil Hafez has had good takedowns. And even though he was huffing and puffing, he was not going away. He kept mm -hmm. going at it. Now, but Seal Hafez needs to work on moving his head. I mean, he was getting tagged, man. And I think that's what won it for Jack Della Madalena is that when he did get off, he tagged him pretty good. Um, but that usually led to a takedown or him going for a guillotine in which Hafez would, would uh, kind of mo – posture off to the side, you know, get away from the torque and the choke itself. And the next thing you know, he was in top position. Some of the top position yielded some ground and pound or submission attempts. Some of it was more riding time. It was close. That's why it was a split. But in the end, I think when Jack Della Madalena was serving him up, he was serving him up. He just couldn't finish him. Basile Haifaz proved that he belongs in the UFC. For I thought sure. he did well. I'm glad he got a bonus. I hope he gets another fight. I'm sure he will. And um, he looks like he could be a problem for a lot of people because he kept going back to that wrestling, man. It was nice. Yeah. And he had some teammates speak out on his behalf, too, and saying, yeah, like this dude has been this good for a while. He deserves to be there. I'm glad we get to see him again. If you're wondering about MMA decisions, I see here about 20 submissions from, you know, people that represent websites or the website itself might not have a name and it was like 18 to 2 for jack della madalena oh really 29 28 was the most common score there was a little bit of 29 27 della madalena which means they think he won two rounds and one of them was a 10 8 and then you even had a 30 26 della madalena which means he won them all there was two right. people that said they thought hey faz won 29-28. And like I say, one of the three judges thought that. I believe it was Sal Diamato. He had 29-28 for Hafez. Junichiro Camijo, he had 29-28 Della Madalena. And Chris Lee, 29-28 Della Madalena. All three experienced and respected judges. Um, They all had different vantage points and they all came up with different conclusions. Well, I shouldn't say that. I guess Camillo and Lee's scores are identical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I might have to go back and watch that one then. Mm -hmm. The undercard was as follows. Uh, Melsic Bagdasarian defeated Tucker Lutz. Victoria Dudakova defeated Estela Nunez in what 
featured one of the worst injuries I've seen in MMA. And if you've seen the um, X-ray, holy cow, it matches kind of what we saw on the screen, which wasn't the best angle, and they only showed a couple of them. Thankfully, UFC Dana White posted it on his social media, which I thought was a bit bizarre, but yeah, I'm not, I don't care too much about it. It's one of the worst ones to see, but it's actually, in my opinion, I'd, I'd have to ask a couple people more, but I think it might actually be one of the better results of of how that came out versus it breaking completely. It looks gross, though, the way it's removed it inside of the, uh, the x-ray. Mm-hmm. does look pretty gross, but kind of similar to what happened to Mauricio Shogun, who a years ago in the takedown, he posted his arm. And that one, if I believe, it snapped his, his arm. This one, it looked like a dislocation of the elbow, but it looked pretty gross. We wish her the best, obviously. Uh, Ms. Cazell, Mel Cazell Costa defeated Austin Lingo. Evan Elder defeated Gennaro Valdez. Azat Maxim defeated Tyson Nam. That was a split decision. Tyson Nam still doing his thing at 39 years old, yeah. Uh, that Maxim was 16 and 0 going in, is at 17 and 0. So this could have been his first L had he taken that. Alexander Munoz defeated Carl Deaton. Uh, Aileen Perez defeated Ashley Evan Smith. The bonuses went to we had a fight of the night, and it was Jack Della Madalena versus Basile Hafez. 50 G's for each one of them. Myra Bueno Silva and Francisco Prado. They each got 50 Gs. If you're looking at, hey, G, what's up with the whole every finisher gets one? Well, really, Dudakova, I guess, could have qualified because she's the one that slammed Estela Nunez. But I think that was more of a, you know, it wasn't pretty much a technique with that intention. It's just something that happened through the course of the action. So I don't know that she's really getting robbed there. And then Sadikov had a nice submission of Terrence McKinney because the way he trapped the arm goes was very, very impressive. You know, McKinney, he's a he's known as a pretty good grappler. He has a wrestling background. He has um, good Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So he's not like some easy guy to submit. And again, him trapping the arm made it really, really nice. Kind of sucks that he didn't get one. Park also had a nice submission over Albert Duryev. He had to fight for it, but he finally got it. But, you know, I mean, I know Bueno Silva's ninja choke was legit, but I don't know that Holmes supposed to be this great submission defense wizard either. Um, so that's just the part that I hope Sadikov and Park get a little bit of love. It won't be 50 Gs. We know that. But hopefully they'll get a little bit of love. But we did have a lot of decisions. So this is one of those weeks where there's not going to be too much of an uproar from yours truly. Man, Park had, like, he must have attempted that at least 15 times and just couldn't get it. There were a couple of times where I thought if he just would have kept striking, he would have got the finish, but I'm glad he finally got it. Um, and then McKinney, he's just, he's got to change something. He's got to figure this out because he is a talented fighter, but he just has these brain farts. Mm-hmm. Agreed. One thing park didn't do was he didn't hit his post fight speech out of the park. Oh, this guy said one of the most frustrating things ever. He said, I'm a UFC employee, whatever they want. Oh, my gosh. I was like, bro, you're not an employee. 
nobody gives a shit about you being a team team player. There's times to be a team player. I get it, but this isn't one of them. Give us a name. It's hard to get booked. So many fighters say it's hard to get booked. Why? Because you're not at the top of anyone's list. You're not on the tip of anyone's tongue. If you go out there and you create something with someone and it picks up some steam on social media, then the matchmakers are going to feel like, hey, these two cats are ready to go. Let's throw them here. Let's Instead of 14 in Boston, let's go 15. Let's get them in here. This thing's about to blow up, whatever. You don't say that. That's one of the worst things you can say because it's just so not true. You're not an employee. You're an independent contractor. And if you leave it up to the OC, they may let you go a whole year without fighting. It is not true. They do not have to give you three fights a year. That's something Dana White likes to say. I've heard it from over 100 fighters that know there's just not a fight for them at that time, and they haven't been offered anything. Mm -hmm. So anyway, but the Iron Turtle still impressed. He had a nice dance, and I think he's like 7-2 and two, uh, in the UFC, so that's pretty impressive. All right, our next interview is with Giga Chikazi, UFC featherweight. He hasn't fought in about a year and a half. His last fight was that loss to Kelvin Cater in January of 2022. Before then, he had rode like an eight-fight win streak, including wins over Cub Swanson, Edson Barbosa, uh, and then he ran into Kelvin Cater. So luckily, he banked like four bonuses, uh, including the Cater fight. So he's had some time to kind of relax and heal. But let's hear from him. This is our interview with him at the UFC Fanatics about 10 days ago. Gorgeous George and Goes are back reporting for duty. Today we get to talk to UFC featherweight Giga Chikatsi joining us here at the EXO. How are you, Giga? I'm great, guys. I'm great. Always a great feeling to be on International Fight Week. Have you been meeting a lot of the fans? How's yeah. that going? Yeah, it's going great. Fans are great. Yeah. They all express some good uh, good feelings and I've been missing it. Yeah. A lot of fans from Georgia? Do, do the, are there a lot of uh, Georgia fans here? Surprisingly, a lot of Georgians show up. A lot of Georgians show up. Because around the United States, we have a, uh, different communities, different Georgian communities, and um, yeah, from different parts, actually. It's not only from East Coast or West Coast. Or they are from all different parts. We haven't seen you fight in a while. You're yeah. going to fight uh, Sadiq, Yusef. Yeah. It looks like that fight fell through. But I heard another rumor. Tell me if this is true. I heard you and Brian Ortega were going to fight. Did that come close? Is that is that true, or or do I not have good sources? No, no, you have a good sources. But before Sodic, there was Zombie again, and uh, so Sodic, Zombie, Sodic again, Sodic again, and uh, Brian. Now we're here. Who do you think will be next? If you had to guess. Uh, it's been a year and a half I've been trying to get to fight and uh, it's it's a little bit frustrating because I've been training for a year and two months for the fight to prepare it's like a camp you know 14 months camp I'm having wow. and in that time usually like people get a lot of injuries and stuff so far I'm still good and I can't wait to come back are, are fighters declining to fight you? What's the delay? Both. So fighters also declining and also the 
fighters they offered me and uh, they got injured. Also Saudi got injured, also Zombie got injured, but then they uh, scheduled with other guy and then Ortega, the, he had the prior injury and that happened again. So now I don't know what's going to happen. Giga, how soon after the last fight were you able to identify what went wrong and get back in the gym and fix it? Did you feel did you feel like it was just one little thing here and there? Or did you feel like there were a lot of things you had to change? Um, so I had a lot of injuries uh, before the fight and after the fight in that fight, and I did the five surgery, and all of them were February and March. So five surgeries? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and uh, from the May, in the May, I signed the contract for Saudi, which I was going to fight September. So from the May, I've been really active to train, to prepare for the fight. Uh, honestly, like all these injuries were, uh, I recovered pretty fast. Uh, a lot of stem cells and all those doctors helped me to recover very well. And, uh, since then, I'll be ready to jump in and take the fight. But unfortunately, it's been happening to my opponents. In a way, though, the fact that you've been able to maybe rest a little bit longer, was there any good that came out of it, at least a little bit? Of course, yeah, of course. A lot of good things happened, too. Lot, uh, I upgraded my the grappling. I upgraded uh, my wrestling. So... Finally recovered all from all my past injuries that I always had it and I was covering. The last two fights I fought, I fought with my broken right hand. And uh, that's something that I would definitely would change and would do the surgery before the fights rather than after losing the fight and thinking that, oh man, I couldn't put all my power in the punches. Your, your gym is one of, uh, you have guys like Benil Darius, Master Rafael Cordero, yourself are so positive, your messages to, to fighters. Um, how do you feel that message and that new crop of fighters? Are they are they taking your guys' message and is the next level even going to be even better than this one? Definitely. Definitely. The new generation going to be the better than us, better than uh former legends because uh, time when time goes uh it's, it's this is a, such a new sport you know every five years a lot of big changes we see and uh, yeah i'm excited to see the future the kids that starting training now let's say the my son he was when he was born he pretty much he's been hanging out on the mat since the couple of months he was Right. So he started working on the mats. And now all those kids training, wrestling, grappling, striking, all the aspects and watching the, all the professional fighters evolving and having their careers. Uh, so it's very exciting to see how uh, this sport is going to be in 10, 15, 20 years. Giga, thank you for the time. I can't wait for Giga time. Hopefully fight soon in 2023. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I can't wait for Giga time as well. Well, I could be into any of those fights that he named off. Sadiq Youssef, uh, Brian Ortega. Mm -hmm. That would have been cool with me.
I, I really like the Brian Ortega one. Yeah, um, it sucks that did. Ortega got hurt, but it sounds mm-hmm. like Chikotse ready to go. Mm-hmm. I saw him in Huntington Beach about two months ago. He looked like a welterweight, maybe a middleweight. Damn. And this last time we just saw him, he looked like he had started to kind of taper down a little bit. Because remember, this cat has to weigh in at 145. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So a few things here. Um, this weekend is the UFC fight card in London. And Tom Aspinall is back after one year. He'll be facing Marcin Tavora. So that should be a good one. And then after that, so there's no Bellator, right? No PFL. Then after that, we got UFC 291, Poirier versus Gaethje 2 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Since it's a pay-per-view, you know that you goes and I will be doing a watch-along. This is July 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Lots of reminders headed your way, but we'll start putting it out there right now. Also, the spinning back click goes, can I announce that? Um, I don't see why not. Yeah, so the spinning back click will now be uploaded. It's live on YouTube every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Eric Nixick will be part of the panel tomorrow. So for you YouTubers, over there we want you to hit the like button, right? Subscribe to the channel. Hit that little bell so you know when we're on live. Just make it your habit to catch us live, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. We unpack all the big stories from the past week. Well, that's also going to be available in podcast form. So wherever you grab the MMA Junkie Radio podcast, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Omni, wherever it's at, that's where Spinning Back Click will also be scooped up. So we're happy to announce that. It just introduces you to a new audience. Some people love going to podcasts. Other people are YouTubers. Other people are, you know, wherever. Um, Instagram Live, I don't know. And we're everywhere. We also have a TikTok, and we're also on Threads. Are you on Threads, Diego's? No, I still need somebody to, other than telling me it's basically Twitter, but Instagram's version, I really still don't get it. It's basically Instagram, yeah, Facebook's version of Twitter, like you said. But what I can say, without sounding like a sissy, it does seem more like what it was intended to be. Hey, look, this is going on. This article's cool. This picture's cool. This announcement's cool. And I feel like Twitter became more toxic and hateful, maybe. And mm-hmm. so this doesn't seem to have that. Now, it's not as big as Twitter, and maybe it could lead to that. But it doesn't seem like that right now. It seems more like the beginnings of how Twitter was back in the day. Just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, somebody just... I guess we used to say tweeted. I don't know what we would say here. Somebody just threaded mm-hmm. that Pajeda and Blahovich could be for the title. You know, like simple stuff like that, the way we would communicate there uh, that way. So it does seem pretty cool. Now, what I will tell you is this. Let's say you do open the threads and you decide, ah, this sucks. Once you open it, if you try and close it, you will shut down your Instagram. So if your Instagram means the world to you and you're afraid of that, then I wouldn't do it. Um, that said, I think once you open threads, you really just can stop using it. You don't have to necessarily close it, 
but mm-hmm. I've used it. It seems pretty cool. It seems like a lot of people you and I both know and follow and get followed by are on there. And it seems like, uh, like I say, less of the whole hashtag and this and this link and bots and, you know, all that heavy, you know, Twitter seems like Tijuana. Remember when you and I were coming back from Ensenada and we couldn't find the right on, on ramp, off ramp just because so much shit was going on. That was the worst. It seems like just more like uh, a nice road, like the 15 from Victorville to Linwood, like it's pretty simple that's the road and you know anyway that's the best i can give you okay all right so folks we're going to get on out of here thanks to giga chikatsu joanna yon j chick and of course you the listeners um for being with us pretty cool the in our 16th year here 3400 episodes i think we're coming up on that pretty soon as well so thank you for um you know the loyalty, the following, the feedback we get, stuff like that. It doesn't go unnoticed, and we definitely appreciate it. We just need to probably say it more often. And do not forget, Spinning Backclick, Mondays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, live on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Radio. I don't believe we left out any of the news. If we did, we'll hit it on Spinning Backclick, or we'll hit it on Thursday show. All right, talk to you then. Go out and be a champion. <laughs>